You may be seated. A scripture this morning uh, is Matthew 5, and we'll read verses 2 through 7, and then from Luke chapter 10, the story of the Good Samaritan. This is God's word. Uh, Luke chapter 5, beginning at the second verse. Third verse, third verse. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Luke chapter 10, perhaps the most famous of all stories, parables of um, a merciful heart. Luke chapter 10, beginning at verse 25. And behold, a lawyer stood up and put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your might and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, And when he saw him, he had compassion. And he went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend I will repay, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be the neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. I want to begin again today with another shout out to John Calvin. I love reading his, uh, his commentaries and his sermons because he is so unlike what his reputation is uh, as a stern academician. And in in his sermon on this uh, parable, uh, um, Blessed Are the Merciful, he describes uh, two deeply disturbing emotions that people have. The first one is our unhappiness, our own unhappiness when we receive a setback in this life. 
when we go through some kind of distress or some kind of disappointment, we are deeply disturbed. And that emotion of unhappiness is powerful. The second is this. Uh, the compassion that we should feel for someone else. We see a sufferer. We see someone with some physical or emotional ailment. This person perhaps has gone through a tragedy. Whether it's of their own fault or not, we may look at that person and say, Oh no, this is a black hole that is going to suck up all my time and I will not look closely. We are distressed at the call to compassion for someone else. But Calvin uh, gets mercy. He goes on to say, it is, it is bearing the afflictions of your neighbor. It is, this sounds so 21st century, it, it is assuming their identity. It, it is being at one with them in their distress. God calls you to be deeply moved by their suffering, to feel their pain, and to give relief as you're able to their suffering. I thought it might be helpful as well to distinguish between uh, mercy and grace. Two words that we sometimes blend together, I think, or don't really know how to distinguish. It's important, I think, to distinguish between mercy, blessed are the merciful, and then, and then, and then grace. Um, Elios, um, mercy, uh, is, is to see someone in their distress, to see them in their distress, and, and to feel their pain. It, it, is an, it is an empathic word. You see their misery and you have compassion on them. A, a, a feeling of compassion arises in you. The results of some sinful condition, whether their own fault or not. Mercy compels us to help them, to, to seek to give them relief. Now, and that Charis, on the other hand, um, grace uh, is, is that attitude towards a person's sin and its guilt. And the remedy is pardon. We forgive. We seek to restore to friendship and fellowship. In, in both, then, mercy and grace, uh, there is a loving presence that is undeserved. A loving presence that is undeserved. There are two needs suffer and sinner, and there are two separate solutions, relief for the sufferer and pardon for the sinner. I can imagine some of you sitting here right now and thinking, wow, is it even realistic or appropriate that God would require us to feel mercy. That he would require us to have compassion. Not just to give relief to the sufferer, 
but to care deeply for him or for her as if it were being done to us. James sets a, a really a pretty high bar where he, he says, you don't just say to people, go be warmed and be filled. What good is that? Even if you do that, uh, if, you, if you say that, if you say that, that's, that's not good enough. Uh, Paul puts the bar even f- uh, higher. You do, need not just have the, uh, the uh, intention, but you must give that, that warmth and, and that filling and do it with love. And if it is not in love, you gain nothing. Is it fair? Is it fair that God would require us to be compassionate people? Well, that's what we want to find out in this story this morning. Mercy, then, is that to be moved to compassion by another's suffering. The the priest and then the Levite saw the broken down man as on that uh, that road from uh, Damascus from uh, uh, Jerusalem to Jericho and uh, they they saw him and as they saw him they 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 crossed to the other side to avoid getting too close and to avoid having to do anything uh, with him the samaritan however um, saw the man and he was moved with compassion he moved towards him he looked at him there's a word that is often used today, and I think it's appropriate, incarnation. It's getting, it, it's, it, it, it's trying to understand what that person feels, in a sense, to live in his or her skin. And, and so the, the, the Samaritan looks at that broken down person and has thoughts like this. Well, that guy is not having a good day. <laughs> And and in some remarkable way, his wounds are my wounds. His sufferings are my sufferings. His emotions are therefore affected. He is stirred with compassion and pity. And that pity and compassion are not optional for the Christian. And this makes sense for us, doesn't it, when we consider Jesus as an example of the the, the Good Samaritan who incarnated in our flesh and took on our rebellion, our sin, in his bowels of his compassion and his heart being stirred for us as he went to the cross. It is being moved by, uh, to compassion by another's suffering. Mercy is. But mercy also has to do something. There is an effort to relieve suffering as if it were your own. The Samaritan, of course, bound up his wounds, poured on oil and wine. He put him on his own donkey. He took him to an inn. He continued to dress him there and care for him there. And and then he left and said, please take over. I'll pay you when I get back. Notice what he doesn't do. He he doesn't simply pursue justice, or he doesn't pursue, pursue justice for the bad guys at all. He doesn't seek them out and run them down. He cares for that individual. He doesn't say, this guy really should have known that this was a bad part of the road. He should have taken care of himself, protected himself. He's sort of brought it on himself. He doesn't say that either. 
Sinclair Ferguson puts it this way. Mercy is getting down on your hands and knees and doing what you can to restore dignity to someone whose life has been broken by sin. Either his own or someone else's. There may very well be a time to teach. There may very well be a time to exhort someone to change self-destructive behavior. But not at first. This is the time for mercy. Of course, there is great personal cost in this. We oftentimes insulate ourselves from another's pain. Um, We don't want to see, and it costs too much. Uh, This was brought home to me this week as I got a phone call from someone who is not in this room and who is not listening to this sermon over the Internet. And I got a letter from someone else. And both of them were expecting something from me. And both of them, well, they could have been black holes. It sucked a lot of time. And, and, and I, in my own heart, I said, I'm busy writing a sermon on mercy. I don't have time to have a heart of compassion right now. It didn't stay long, but that was the thought that I had. Of course there is personal cost. The Samaritan helped him out in all these ways and got him to the, the inn there, dropped a couple hundred dollars, and he was going to pay more the next day. He didn't plan a mercy excursion when he went on the road that morning. But he was alert to God's providence. Who's in front of me? Who's suffering? Who needs help? Who is catching my eye? This then is whom God is calling me to love today. Uh, Is it inconvenient? Of course it is. You can't show mercy without some of the load falling on yourself. But remember, their wounds are yours, and their suffering is yours, just as your wounds and your suffering became Christ's when mercy entered this sin-sick world once and for all. Well, the blessing that is promised here is that the merciful um, will receive God's mercy. When we, uh, when we say it that way, blessed are the merciful, merciful, for they shall receive mercy, it almost sounds like, or you could interpret it as, mercy given for services rendered. That is your own mercy that God is then paying back uh, for services rendered. But we are not given mercy because we show it as if uh, our mercy earns God's mercy. That would cut grace right out of the Bible. But being merciful is the natural result of experiencing Christ's mercy. And that's really the lesson that we see of forgiveness. Forgiveness that calls out for, for, um, for grace. So it is as, as suffering calls out for mercy. 
as we, we noticed earlier in our prayer, the, the prayer of the, the Lord's Prayer, concludes with these two verses, or is followed up by these two verses, the only part of the prayer that is elevated or is drawn attention to, Jesus says, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive yours. Is it merit? Our forgiveness merits God's forgiveness? The, the point is simply that unless we forgive others, there is no evidence that we've been forgiven. Unless we are showing mercy to others, there is no evidence that we have received mercy. Forgiveness received produces forgiveness granted. Mercy receives produces mercy granted. So if you don't have a meek and gentle and compassionate heart, maybe you're sitting here this morning saying, I don't really get this. I don't have a heart like that. Well, if you don't have that meek and gentle and compassionate heart, the compelling question is, do you in fact have God's mercy? Have you been affected, impacted by God's mercy? See, God gives mercy um, in our suffering now. He gives mercy from suffering later. But do you hear the difference? He gives you mercy in your suffering now, but from suffering later. In, in other words, what we're saying is get used to suffering. <laughs> it's a part of our lives. And it's what's beautiful for the Christian is that God does see and God does console and God gives the Spirit and God promises relief in but not from your suffering. Imagine, imagine with me a widow who lived with her son and she was destitute. And she heard a knock on the door, and a a gruff man uh, uh, knocks on the door. She opens it, and he says, I'm I'm thirsty, give me something to drink. I'm hungry, Um, give me some bread. And she says, well, I'm actually... I'm actually out gathering, about to get, I'm gathering sticks to build a fire for that la- my last loaf of bread, done with the flour, done with the oil. And he were to say, go on, make that bread for me. And God will provide food for three. Show me this mercy. And God will give the oil and flour enough for three. And that is a tiny thing for God to multiply the ingredients for bread. Listen to Proverbs 19. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord and he will repay him for his deed. And this this carries with it the idea of if you lend to the poor... If you're generous to the poor, you're really lending to God, and God will repay you with interest. For you, sometimes that is the joy of simply doing the right thing. That's the interest God pays back. Sometimes he throws in a little flour and oil on top of it. 
But in any case, if you're generous, you're really um, lending to God who pays back with interest. You can trust him for that. Well, I want to, I want to, um, and then, and then there's the mercy from suffering that comes later. And this is one day, one day, one day you will receive the full flower of God's mercy and there will be healing beyond the reach of pain. There will be the fullness of life in him beyond the suffocating reach of our sin. But that's later when you'll have that never ending relief. Two questions to conclude with today. The, the first is, please, brothers and sisters, examine your own heart. Are you, are you a merciful person? Are you a merciful person? Blessed are the merciful. Are you merciful or are you contemptuous of those who are hurting? Are you gentle? Or are you hardened by sufferers? Are you compassionate? Or are you impatient and intolerant and dismissive of other people? Are you, are you helpful? Or are you calloused and simply walk on the other side of the street? James gives us a powerful and a sharp warning here. He says, "He says judgment without mercy will be shown to him who will be uh, to one who uh, shows no mercy." And and the one who is without mercy stands before God, blinded by his own pride that he doesn't need mercy. And therefore, these three crushing words of indictment: judgment without. Mercy. May that not be us. The humble, the humble person uh, feels the hurts of others. This is, this is the blessed person, the beatitude person. Uh, he feels the hurts of others. Described this way, you are sharply aware of your own spiritual bankruptcy, your poor in spirit. You are, are, are concerned enough about that that you grieve. Blessed are those who mourn. And you have become meek because of that. You are humble before God and you are gentle towards other people. And then subsequent to that, you are hungering and thirsting for righteousness. And then first on the docket here is you show mercy because you've received mercy. You show mercy because you're needy too. This, the second question, or call. And, and that is practice every day showing mercy. Let's practice every day showing mercy. Uh, a place to start. Let, let's carve out a place to start and, and, then, and then watch it grow. Someone may share with you an area of their life where they are suffering. And that is a big deal. They have opened up themselves to you in such a way that they're sharing 
a, a hurt, a, a pain, a suffering, a difficulty that they're going through. And that is a hard thing to do, to be honest enough with other people to, to share that. And one of the reasons that we're hesitant is because we're asking this question as, as we're about to share something personal. Do they really care? And oftentimes we might think the answer is no, and so we keep things to ourselves. But, but how do we, how do we um, show mercy in a situation like this? First of all, it's slowing down and listening. It's slowing down and listening. You have been honored by this other person and by the Lord. You have been honored to hear what this person is offering. Their suffering. Their sadness. Perhaps even their fear. And so you listen for emotive words. You listen to words that speak of their fear. Think words that speak of their loneliness. That, that speak even of their anger. And you, at that point, you resist the urge to just close your ears, shut your eyes, and walk to the other side of the, the street or perhaps another room. <laughs> You listen for those emotive words and you say something like this. It sounds like you're going through something hard. It sounds scary. It sounds, it sounds really difficult, painful. Would you like to say more? And then listen. James tells us, be quick to listen. And in a situation like this especially, be slow to speak. It it is a tendency that I think probably all of us have at one time or another. When someone does share an experience with us that relates to some form of suffering, we very quickly will say, I know how you feel. This happened to me a couple of years ago. I, I know how you feel. And then you're off on your own story. Maybe, at times, after you've listened for quite a while, it may be appropriate to say something like that, but probably you'll find that it isn't appropriate if you've listened for a while and you've gotten into their problems and their difficulties. Your your question instead, is there anything I can do to help? Would it be helpful for for me to do this or that? Remember, mercy comes by. It, it, It... it empathizes with someone else's pain and it says, your problem, this is Calvin as well as the Lord, <laughs> your problem is my problem. I want to know about it so that I can help. That's what mercy is. That's what compassion is. So you listen. You learn to pick up words that, that spark some kind of, that reveal some kind of emotion and you follow up with that. Tell me about that. Tell me more about that. Mercy, you see, just isn't natural. It it isn't natural for us, but if you are a child of God, you will see mercy grow in you as God humbles you. So maybe another question is, to whom is God calling you to show mercy today? Maybe you've even seen their their face flash before you as we've been talking about this. To whom is God calling you to show mercy 
if, if you recognize, if you don't see any mercy in your heart, <laughs> then deal with God and say, God, help me. Come to you. I come to you as a, as a helpless sinner. In need. I, need, I need pardon. I need pardon for my sins, but I also need relief. I need relief for my own misery. Jesus has well served you on the cross. And he stands before you today, ready to serve you again. Let us pray. Lord, we are grateful um, for a word of your mercy to us. And we ask that it would form us more and more into merciful people. Lord, if there is someone here who can, could honestly say, I don't see that kind of heart in, my, in myself, Holy Spirit, would you grant a new heart through the humility of turning from self and sin and turning humbly asking for mercy and for grace from Jesus. And we pray these things in his glorious name. Amen.